Economic news on SAFM. Facts and figures you can count on. We join now by Narina Fisser, advisor and strategist at ETFSA. Good morning, Narina. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning. Good news Friday for everyone in Zanzi. Well, there's, there's lots that we can be positive about. Let's start with our economy. So we've got news out that the IMF has kept our GDP forecast at 1% for this year. They haven't downgraded us again, as we've seen in recent, uh, recent times. And this is mostly thanks to a recovery in the mining and agriculture um, sectors. And, and we're also expecting news on a detailed plan from the finance ministry on their plan to turn around the economy to get us out of recession and and to avoid further credit rating downgrades. But, you know, talking about that recovery in the agriculture sector, after two years of of, um, severe drought in South Africa, we are at the point of getting our status as a net exporter of maize back. Um, And and this really came on the back of the rains that we um, had um, last summer, which has revived the agricultural sector and the Crop Estimate Committee. The CEC now um, predicts that the country will harvest a crop of over 15.6 million tonnes this year. Now, you know, our our annual maize consumption in South Africa is is around about 10.5 million tonnes. So you can see that it leaves a reasonably good amount for us to actually estimate that that, um, surplus that we've got. Um, And so far this year, our exports already stand at at over 400,000 tonnes. So that's about uh, 19, 20% of the forecast for this particular season of what we will be um, able to export, looking at an export capacity of about 2.2 million tons. So you can see that that we're starting to build momentum in that. And in fact, just last week, in the week, we exported over 112,000 tons of maize. So you might ask, where is this maize going? And, and quite surprising, maybe, that Taiwan is actually the biggest receiver and beneficiary of, of our exports. They um, took 60% of our total maize exports, and they are followed by Kenya, which uh, account for 32% of the, of the share of the weekly exports last week. So um, good news, certainly, on the, on the agriculture sector, specifically on the maize front. And then, Narina, earlier this week we spoke about the use of mobile telecoms in Kenya to facilitate banking and investment services and obviously um, addressing financial inclusion at grassroots level. Do we see any evidence of this here closer to home? Definitely, you know, South, Af- um, South Africa is, is one of the key components in the infrastructure development across the African continent, um, and a lot of it is happening right here at home, but a lot of our South African companies are also involved in putting in this infrastructure across across the African continent. And it's, it's really the demand for being connected, for connectivity, that is, is shaping these infrastructure deals across the continent. Um, you know, broadband is now sort of considered broadband access is, is across becoming a fourth utility. So after um, gas, electricity and water, um, you know, in, in Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, I think um, Wi-Fi access is now considered almost <laughs> as important as oxygen. <laughs> so, that is, um, that is quite funny, actually. <laughs>
<laughs> and I believe just more important than Wi-Fi access is battery power. <laughs> but let's leave that one for another day. Um, so, yeah, I think what we're seeing is, is that telecoms companies are really scrambling to, to, to get a piece of this pie and, and to get involved. So there's a, there's a major shift in the telecoms landscape because there's lots of infrastructure being being um, laid down. You know, things like tower, it's uh, towers, it's fiber rollout. It is different spectrums on the Wi-Fi band, these data centers, undersea cables, you know, so it really is a very broad-based um, infrastructure rollout that's, that's going on there. So um, the move that we see in how the sector is developing is towards open access models. So that basically means that um, one one company or one party will own the physical infrastructure and then they lease that out as a service to other players in, in the sector. And, and this is also presenting great opportunities for different funding institutions, banks, um, and so on, particularly as more of these data centers and other key infrastructure is required. So certainly when we look globally, we see that the technology sector is a strongly rising um, um, important sector, uh, replacing in some instances some of your more traditional sort of smokestack or utility companies. And, and we can see why when we look at infrastructure rollout across Africa and, and certainly when that presents significant opportunities. Yeah, um, I can't get past the hierarchy there and at the bottom of the pyramid, <laughs> access to uh, data. But the, One of the other big stories, Narina, the UK-based PR firm Bell Pottinger, who need no introduction. So they've been at the center of social media storm for uh, their alleged role in stirring up racial tension in South Africa. And yesterday they issued a full, unequivocal and absolute apology to anyone impacted. Yep. What do you make yep. of that, that unexpected move? <laughs> that direct quote. Well, speaking of, of hierarchies. <laughs> but, uh, yes, you know, um, I think there's, there's some, some cynical section of this apology. Um, one can have your own opinion on whether it is sincere or whether this is another PR exercise by the company. Um, but when you read through their statements and, and specifically relating to the work that they've been doing for, for Oak Bay, um, Oak Bay Capital in particular, um, you do see that they... What they've done is really due to the attacks on their company and all the bad um, press that they received, they um, have actually not just terminated their contract with Oak Bay, which, which we already know, but they also called on an independent um, uh, international law firm to review the, the work that they had done on it. And they promised to actually release the results of that report. Um, but although they say they, um, they haven't really found any um, uh, evidence that has um, that means that they necessarily did something wrong, but they say they certainly have found evidence which they are deeply concerned about. So let's see what comes out of this one. Um, I think it is good to see how the pressure of social society, when ordinary people stand up and find their voice and express concerns or, or dismay at what is going on, you do see, for me, the good news, and this is the evidence that you see, that um, things can be changed, things can be questioned, things can be addressed. And, and I think for us it's a, it's a very powerful message to remember here in South Africa is that we are not victims of our circumstances. We all have the ability to, to stand up, to be counted, and to actually make a difference. So if, if that's the message that I leave, um, leave the people of South Africa with on this beautiful Friday morning, it is to really don't stand by and watch bad things happen. Make sure that you create the good things that you want to see in this beautiful country of all of us. And just a quick one, Narina. Jacques asks, uh, so what does Bell Pottinger have to do with economics news? 
<laughs> it's all about sentiment. So often we say that the sentiment of markets is, is what drives um, drives it much more than the than the hardcore facts. So it's the sentiment on the one hand, but I think the other one is also the uncertainty that comes with it. Um, so the two things that we're really looking for in markets um, is sentiment, good positive sentiment, and certainty. And anything that can remove uncertainty, so saying one thing and doing another thing, those are all things that will build and lead to the positive of um, turn in our economy. So that for me is really the important role that it plays. Yeah. Thank you so much, Narina. And you have a great weekend. Narina Fasa, strategist and advisor at ETFSA.